In today's show, we're talking Atlanta Hawks with the host of the Locked On Hawks podcast. What about Trey and DeJounte? How does it work? He's going to hopefully give us some answers. Michael Bolton? Did I say his name? His name's Brad Roland. Anyway, this guy's name is Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. We're here to talk Atlanta Hawks. There's a lot to talk about with this squad. So, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right, let's bring him in again for maybe the sixth year in a row. Pretty sure it is the sixth year in a row. It is Brad Rowland of Locked On Hawks. Brad, welcome back. It's my honor to be here, sir. I'm happy to do it. I think it is six years in a row. I know we were a sort of founding members of this Locked On Podcast Network, so here we are. Yep, here we are. It might even be seven, to be honest, because I know, I know we've been with the sure. network seven years, but we, this might be the seventh off-season that we've done. So here we are. We're here to talk Hawks, and this is, like every team is every year, like markedly different. And maybe it is a little bit more different than some other teams, because when I go through the lists of people who are coming and going onto this team, there's a, a lot of names. In fact, I couldn't fit them all on one screen. DeJounte Murray's in this. Two Holidays, Justin and Aaron. Mo Harkless, and then there's some guys not maybe as interesting. Trent Forrest, Frank Kaminsky, two draft picks, AJ Griffin and Tyrese Martin as well. Um, I don't know. Should we should we tackle it straight away? The Dejounte Murray and Trey Young stuff because we're Dejounte's at the top of this list. Let's do it now. Dejounte Murray comes in. He'll start next to Trey Young. Um, Dejounte Murray was great in fantasy last year. People knew that he took a huge step forward. But Brad, I am expecting a decent-sized step back from him last season. And when I was on your show a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how Trey and DeJounte were both top four in assists, and you just cannot have two guys on the same team with that volume. So yeah, who takes the biggest step back? Yeah, I think it's probably going to be Murray of the two of them, just just out of necessity. Trey, I think they know that Trey is, Trey is still the sun, moon, and stars. I think he's going to have the ball in his hands all the time. He's the more efficient guy. He's the better shooter, et cetera. He's the better passer. I mean, he's just kind of better across the board off- offensively. So I think that he is probably going to be stable. I think his numbers will probably come down a little bit, as you sort of allude to there. There's still you have to fill in some usage for Murray. But I think it's more other guys that might lose more, more usage to Murray than Trey. I think if you're the Hawks, you don't want Trey taking a huge step back because he's he's still your best player by a wide margin. The thing that people that play fantasy, they have – they tend to have short memories or just last season. Like, DeJounte Murray's done this for exactly one season. He's never been this high assist guy in the past. He's never been that efficient guy in the past. He'd never had a steal season like he had last season. And he definitely didn't have a usage season like last season. He jumped about six usage percentage points last season. So he has played in a low usage role plenty of times when DeMar DeRozan was there literally just a season ago. 
And it's not like that he is this guy that's had this track record of having, you know, running everything, massive assists, massive usage, because he just hasn't. He did it for one year, basically out of necessity. And I, I do think that, yeah, he will fall back somewhat there and maybe a pretty sizable amount, but you are right. And we're going to talk about some of the other guys in that lineup that he will still get his shots for sure. He's not going to fade into obscurity, but it's the other guys who will cop a little bit of little bit of hurt there. Um, in terms of the guys leaving, Danilo Gallinari is gone, part of that Deshante Murray deal. Kevin Herter. Went to Sacramento. Um, Dylan Wright's gone. Lou Williams, not signed anywhere. Gorgie Jeng and Timotei Lawawu Cabra, who some may say inexplicably started a ton of games for this team last season. Which absence there hurts the most? I think it's probably Herter. He's the best player of that group. You know, Gallo for a long time had a great career and is still a productive guy, but you know, some of his weaknesses are getting more magnified as he ages, uh, especially defensively. He's kind of hard to have out there sometimes. They'll definitely miss him too. I think those two guys are sort of in a tier on their own. Um, but Herter, just the way that his uh, he fits so well offensively on this roster, uh, didn't need the ball to be successful, great shooter, et cetera, a pretty good passer, underrated playmaker. And I think the Hawks don't have a ton of that right now, just like those kind of plug-and-play shooting floor spacing wings. So I think I, he would be the guy that I would circle. But they're going to miss Gallo. They're going to miss DeLon Wright as well. DeLon Wright just kind of does all the little stuff. I, I love DeLon Wright, honestly. Uh, he's one of those guys that you just can't help but like if you watch him every day. So they have some guys that they'll certainly miss, but I think Herter's probably the more on that list. Obviously, DeJounte Murray is going to be the backup point guard on this team. But to me, DeLon Wright is significantly better than Aaron Holiday. And I would argue, maybe some people would disagree, I, I think he's a better player than Justin Holiday as well. So it, it is a loss. Like, Dillard Wright's just a guy that, when he's on the court, I just think good things happen. And whatever role it is, like, do you need to ramp him up and do something? The only time he really failed was, like, that half a season in Dallas. And every other place that he's been, he's been really good. And I think that, you know, that it's, maybe it's not that important because Murray's there, but it, he is an important player. And he will be missed at times. And I, I know there were some Hawks fans that wasn't, weren't big fans of um, Dillon, but I think he's a decently sized loss. Now, in terms of injuries, Brad, the only one that I'm aware of heading into the season that we need to be concerned about is Bogdan Bogdanovich, who suffered that knee injury maybe a year or two years ago and sort of hasn't quite been right with it and had another surgery in the offseason. What's the prognosis for him uh, for training camp? Yeah, that is certainly the number one injury concern. The only uh, official injury stuff the Hawks have put out was actually on the same day. It was Bogdanovich and Jalen Johnson who ended up missing summer league. But that was one where there was kind of a no big deal aspect to that one for the most part. With Bogdanovich, he's, you know, the last couple of seasons – while he's gotten back on the floor, he's battled some injuries and also basically was wearing down to the point where he had to have something done in both of the last two off seasons. And um, they've said that they expect him to quote, make a full recovery in advance of the regular season. But notice they didn't say training camp. They're kind of uh, keeping their options open there. I am, I have my guard up on Bogdanovich. I think eventually he'll be a good factor for this team and they badly need him by the way, for his, for his shooting in particular. But um, if he missed time, it would not stun me. We're still far enough away now where we, we're not we're not really sure. But missing Eurobasket, like he's not he's not close right now. I don't think. I think he's going to be a, a sort of a game time decision when it comes to the opener. Yeah, that's what I think. I think maybe you're looking at <clears throat> maybe the start of November, last week of October, so maybe he misses the first week or is at least limited there. And you're right, he is important because while. Yeah, we can do staggering, but the second unit, the guys that we're going to project for that second unit, there's no real usage guys or guys that you want to really run things, and that's his role. And I don't really trust if Bogdanovich is out for Nate McMillan to get super creative in staggering guys, because in the past, Brad, uh, Nate hasn't really shown creativity with his rotations. No, he's not. He's not the most uh, innovative guy. He's definitely gets the Doc Rivers. Uh, we want to throw out the uh, the second unit in full kind of stuff. And I, I think the Murray presence will kind of force him to stagger at least Trey and Murray. But uh, he's not 
to your point to your point there he's not the most uh, innovative guy and he's kind of rigid in the way that he approaches first unit second unit and it's not really sort of adaptable in the way that you might want him to be yeah that is true and before we get onto talking more about the hawks i'm going to talk about bet online uh brad you're there covering the hawks are you a atlanta falcons fan I am sadly an Atlanta Falcons fan, yes. All right, so <laughs> how, how excited are you for a season of uh, Marcus Mariota and uh, Desmond Ritter as the quarterbacks for the Falcons? Not that excited. I'm ready for football to come back, and Desmond Ritter might be good. Hopefully Ritter's good, and they won't have to worry about it anymore. So we'll, we'll see, but I'm, I think I'm rooting for losses this year. Yeah, before anything. He, might, he, <laughs> might, he might be good. I reckon he might be okay. But be. if you want to have a look at the Falcons, we've got a preseason game coming up this weekend against the Jets. BetOnline.net is obviously the fastest and the easiest way for you to check in on all your betting needs. In fact, I just checked in on it, and they are one-point favorites against the Jets over this weekend. You can find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, which the Atlanta Braves, maybe maybe you want to have a look at those odds over there, Brad. NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information and live in-game betting scores and podcasts. They've got you covered. So head to BetOnline today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the action that is happening today. BetOnline is where the game starts. Let's have a look at your projected starting five. And I don't think anybody would argue with this, Brad. There is... No, there's no argument, really. Let's let's go through it. Trey, DeJounte, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, and Clint Capella. I guess the only other thing there that could be a real long shot is Anyeka Okongwu over Clint Capella, but I feel like there's maybe a 2% chance of that happening. Yeah, I would say probably even lower than that at the beginning of the season. I think it would take a Capella injury for Okongwu to start. Maybe during the season, something like that happens, if Capella just shows some age or whatever. But I will be stunned if there are no injuries, if this is not the starting line. Um. Are we going to have the now annual tradition of Clint Capella having Achilles soreness in the preseason? <laughs> uh, we'll see. I mean, by, by all accounts, he was uh, okay to have his normal summer activity. So that mm. would be a, a good sign. Last year, he was kind of backed up at the end of the season for, by all accounts. So they kind of did a pretty good job keeping that under wraps. But I have not heard anything about him being limited. Now, at the same time, he's had the Achilles stuff for, what, three plus years on yeah. and off now. So it shouldn't surprise anyone if he is a little bit slow in training camp. But uh, I have heard good things. We'll see. It ended his season when he was traded to the Hawks, where he didn't play. And then the two pre-seasons after that, he didn't play and was limited due to Achilles' soreness. And then it didn't really impact him during the season, which was pretty weird for uh, that Achilles issue, which, yeah, of course, can turn into something pretty pretty significantly serious. But yeah, young Murray Hunter, Collins, Capella. I think when you look at that grouping there, anyone, and we're going to talk about DeAndre Hunter a little bit later, if you're expecting a DeAndre Hunter breakout in that group, it's going to be pretty hard for him to touch the ball. Yeah. I think they're definitely have high hopes for him there. The organization still buys DeAndre Hunter, but in terms of usage, in terms of like, you know, prominence, I guess the theory would be that he just becomes the clear number three option and maybe Collins takes a step back if you want, if you want to buy in on Hunter. But yeah, I think there's a probably to be effective. His small usage role might be his best bet. I guess if you want the offense to be worse, you'd give Hunter those touches <laughs> over John Collins. If that's, if that's what yeah. you're looking to do, you could do that. But the, the bench rotations where things become a bit more interesting, we've got two holidays in there, although DeJounte Murray will handle that backup role, but yeah, Aaron, Aaron's probably that 10th man in there. You've got Bogdanovich, Justin Holiday, Jalen Johnson, and Yekra Okongwu. Justin Holiday couldn't be less excited. Aaron Holiday, he's no good. Okongwu, he was really, really impactful for fantasy last year, even coming off the bench or starting. He only played, what, 21 minutes a night, I think, last season, or two, under 21 minutes a night, yet was still able to be a top 140 player. And there are plenty of people hoping for a big breakout for him. Do we look at 21 minutes a night for Okongwu, or is this a 24-minute platoon, perhaps, with Capella? Has he shown enough to be able to be like that that relevant for Nate McMillan? I think that um, when Capella is healthy and in there, you'll probably see Okongwu have about 
that 20 to 22 minute range. There might be some nights. I think that they're probably open to the fact that maybe in certain matchups or if a Kong was playing well and Capella isn't, maybe a flip-flop there. I still think that a Capella is the 1A to 1B for a Kongwu to the point where I'm, I'm going to lean on Capella in terms of my expectations to play more, or we play as much as he did last year. But, you know, with the injury stuff that we just hit on, Capella was pretty durable last year, played 74 yep. games. That might come down a touch, you would imagine. I, I, I had to guess over or under 74, I take the under. So I think it might be more of a playing time opening up like that. But I think when they're both healthy, I would probably guess something like the 26-22 split, something like that. Yeah, that's exa- actually, I've, I've actually got it exactly at 26-22 uh, <laughs> for this upcoming season, which puts a towards the back end of fantasy and if Capella is out his value rises Capella comes back his value drops and yeah that, that's going to limit him um, overall I really like Okongwu I thought they should have been looking to get value of a Capella trade and just slot Okongwu in but they haven't done that but Capella also feels like he's 32 years of age but he just turned 28 like he's not actually that old and uh, I'm sure I'm not alone in thinking that he's way older than he actually is at 28 he's like smack bang <laughs> right in the middle of his uh, of his prime like he's he's not that old while as a Kongwu is like what 20 we're not, not even 22 yet so yeah in a year or two maybe that that switch happens the other guy there that we just didn't say at all really last season is Jalen Johnson put up some big summer league numbers he's got a great fantasy skill set maybe some three-point shooting block steals rebounds um probably just sliding into the Danilo Gallinari role do you think he gets that straight off or Nate McMillan we know there is some stubbornness there that maybe he goes with Mo Harkless in that role instead I have a little bit of fear about that. Um, McMillan does like to uh, lean on his veterans. Um, you know, last year it was TLC. The year before that, it was Solomon Hill. Uh, who, oh, wow. Nate just yeah. seems to like those those plug and play combo forwards who can, and that is, can play a little defense. That is exactly what so, Mo Harkless is as well. Exactly. So I mean, obviously, Hawks fans are clamoring for Jalen Johnson. I'd love to see Jalen Johnson. I think they were they, they, they will probably give him a chance. I would hope they were giving give him a chance after drafting in the first round. But uh, nothing is assured there. And even if he does play. I think he, he, he will definitely play less than Gallo. Like they, they kind of felt forced in a good way to get Gallo on the floor. I think Gallo averaged like 25 minutes a game last year. Even if Johnson's in that role, it's going to be more of like a 15 minute, 15 minute a game role. I'd imagine. I think Collins is going to play more. They might, they might use Hunter at the four sometimes, et cetera, but it's going to be a smaller role than Gallinari had regardless. Yeah. I think that's uh, absolutely spot on. And while we can look at yeah, Johnson and Okongwu as maybe the front court of the future, I don't think we should be going, well, we'll just wait until John Collins gets traded because they're going to throw Jalen Johnson. We've been hearing John Collins trades for as long as we've been hearing, I don't know, any any player that's been... Like Miles Turner, like, I don't know which one's battling for longest name in trade rumor cycles because it's just has been out there for so long and just never happened. And if it does, yeah, Johnson's not coming in and playing 32 minutes anymore because Mo Harkless, or maybe he'll resurrect Solomon Hill and bring him back to, uh, to be the starter. So while we like Johnson, it's still probably a year or, or maybe two years away from being um, super relevant. In terms of young guys on this squad, we've talked to Kong, we've talked Johnson. Let's talk about the first round pick, AJ Griffin, who I thought probably could have been, should have been a top 10 draft pick in this in this uh, draft, but there were injury concerns. And then it didn't really assure me when he fell to 16. And then he didn't play in summer league and the Hawks are like, oh, it's fine. There's nothing wrong. But you got to be a little bit concerned, surely. Yeah, I was in Vegas. They were very consistent on on message about how they weren't worried about it long term. And it was a new thing. It wasn't like it was a recurrence of other issues. Like he's had lots of like leg issues, but it wasn't the same thing. So I'm not sure if that's better or worse. It wasn't the same thing, but we'll see. I, you know, I, for me, it's more like it's more the age and the inexperience and also just like McMillan's, uh, you know, proclivities more than anything else. I think that, you know, Griffin's still 18 as we record this. He's, yep. he's definitely more on the raw side. I was with you. I had him in my top 10 or 12 in this year's draft and they, he fell, he sort of fell in their laps kind of in the same way that Johnson did last year. 
but I think that um, it might take an injury or two to get Griffin regular playing time just because of the uh, avoidance of rookies from McMillan. And also his defense is going to be pretty bad early. I think we could probably agree on that. Yep. But the shooting is special potentially. So that, that's, that's definitely going to be his calling card early on. Um, the Hawks have done well with guys sliding. Like I had John Collins higher in his draft. He slid. He performed well. I had yeah, Jalen Johnson higher. Um, and yeah, he slid. And I think he's going to be okay, even though he only played five minutes a game. I had AJ Griffin higher. I had I had Nyeka Kongu higher than six as well. And the Hawks ended up with him. And I think he's been pretty good in that role. We just haven't seen him push into that starters role yet. So we'll see with Griffin. I still like him longer term for fantasy. But again, Johnson played five minutes a game last season. And if Griffin plays more than 10, I reckon I'd be pretty surprised that, or there'd have to be quite a few injuries or he'd have to just be unbelievable. So I just don't think we should be counting too much on him and even less so on, uh, on Tyrese Martin, a pick at pick number 51. I believe it was in the NBA draft. We're not expecting, if, if Nate McMillan's not excited about rookies, he's not going to be yeah, really pumping up the tires of a 51st overall pick. They do like Martin. They signed him to that full contract, but yeah, I'm with you. I think maybe, uh, I can see Hawks fans losing their minds about Martin playing ahead of Griffin at some point this year. That that would not stun me, just given the what the what the organization values and what, what the coaching staff values. But yeah, ne- neither guy expected to be uh, prominently involved. I would imagine the one caveat being if Bogdanovich does have lingering stuff, they might just have to have Griffin shooting out there at some point. Yeah, that's 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 true. And because you've lost Kevin Herter as well, there is yep. yeah that yeah that's that bench. Justin Holiday's not a bad shooter, but he's low volume. Aaron Holiday's theoretically a good shooter, but he's not. Um, and Jalen Johnson's not going to be a volume shooter or, or even a good shooter probably at this point. Um, we've talked about the DeJounte Murray side of things with um, his addition. What about Trey Young? Now, Trey Young was great last season, but I think we have to cast our mind back two seasons that when the Hawks brought in Gallinari, when they brought in Bogdan Bogdanovich, Trey did drop off in some of his production. A lot of it was efficiency issues. But he did only average, I think, 25 points in that season, whereas last season he was back right up at, what, 28 with almost 10 assists with that same roster. So it just took him a little bit of an adjustment, I, I think, is fair. He averaged 25 and 9 in 34 minutes with a usage of 32. So he, he dropped that from 36 to 32 when Bogdanovich and Gallinari arrived, pushed it back to 34 last season. Uh, I expect it sort of to come back as he adjusts with DeJounte there, maybe to 32, 33 range. But as we said earlier, we expect DeJounte to lose a little bit. But it's not out of the realms of possibility that Trey does you know, fall back somewhat in that adjustment period. I can see that for sure. And I think that the playing time is interesting in that this is kind of a roster that's set up to like lean on their starters pretty yep. heavily. They have less depth than they had previously, but the one caveat might be Trey just because they have Murray on the roster. But the big thing for me is like the counting stats are going to be there, but the efficiency was a career best almost across the board yeah, last was. year. Two, two point shooting, three point shooting, uh, effective field goal percentage, all of the free, th- free throw percentage, like the free throw attempts went down a little bit because of the rule changes and whatever else happened there. But he basically adjusted to that. And I think like I'd probably take the under on his counting stats. I think it was you know, 28 and almost 10 last year just because of Murray's presence and just maybe a little little bit of a downturn in efficiency i would lean under what he did last year but i would also take the probably the over on 25 points where he was two years ago so maybe somewhere in that 27 point a game range uh still probably that nine assist range because he, he just kind of is he's so good at racking up assists that i can't imagine him falling too far there but the big swing is probably his efficiency you're reading my mind because i've got him projected at 27 points and nine assists um are coming down from 28 and a half and 10 where he was last season and towards the end of last we talk about his efficiency his efficiency just pushed up and up as the season went on and he was hitting a 53 percent of his twos the thing is yeah we look at him as a great three-point shooter and he is because of the difficulty of shots and yeah how many he's taking but last season he shot 38 percent from three he'd never been over 36 prior to that like he'd never been a great high percentage guy so it's yeah he could easily fall back from 38 to 35 
and it wouldn't be anything to do with Murray. It just might be variance because, again, he's done that. We think of him as this unbelievable three-point shooter, but he's actually had one season of being really as a, as a good three-point shooting or three-point efficiency player. So that's something that I think, again, gets a little bit lost when we consider, hey, you're the best three-point shooter. Trey's amazing. He just didn't hit him at that rate um, prior to last season. Yeah, maybe maybe the trade-off is that he has more catch and shoots yeah. with Murray. Maybe he's playing off the ball a little bit more, and that that helps to boost because you know it's it's small sample size every year, but he's really been good on those catch and shoot opportunities. You know, forty plus percent on those. So maybe that maybe that's the trade-off of like maybe he makes a few less off the dribble and a few more catch and shoots and kind of levels off. But I'm with you. I think his his act, his actual percentages don't line up to his actual shooting talent because he takes so many tough shots. I mean, that's that's part of the logistics here. He's taking thirty five footers all the time and yep. contested step backs and all that stuff. It's hard to maintain like high end efficiency on those shots uh, it absolutely is now i've got this question here which now that i look at it i don't think i've worded it very well but i've written basically is, is deandre hunter who he is like is this just who he is basically we talked about already trying to get usage he's a guy that and this happens so often like we saw his numbers coming out of college and go this man he's a really good defender but there's no defensive stats because that's the way that virginia plays and then he came to the nba and he gets no defensive stats and it's just basically is who he is. And he had a hot streak of about 10 games in 2020, 2021 at the start of the year where his usage and efficiency blew up. Then he got hurt and he came back and he struggled and he was pretty poor last season. Couldn't rebound, doesn't get assists, doesn't get defensive stats. I like, I know you're, they're saying the organization's really high on him still, but like, where does he improve from here? Like, what does he, what does he, I, I look at him and I see what he, what he does and the players around him. And I just don't know where it goes from here. Yeah, it's it's all fair. I mean, I've gotten some pushback locally for just kind of pointing out that he wasn't very good last year, and I've always kind of liked him. Like, it, he was in my top five in that draft, and uh, but logistically, last year, like he just wasn't that good. Wasn't. And the 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 rebounding is uh, the one that's like just kind of inexplicable to me because he's he's all of six seven six eight, and he's stocky. He's got a, he's got a good build, and he was rebounding at, at the level of a point guard last year on the percentages, and it was just brutal. But I think that you're looking for if you're the Hawks. Uh, kind of the counting stats from two years ago. And you mentioned it was a very small sample size, but he averaged like 15 and five with two assists. Like that would be a notable uptick, which doesn't sound like, like anything crazy, but if you can get that out of him, that would be nice. Uh, the, the, the defensive stats um, are probably never going to come. He's he's not, I think he's a good defender in a he lot is, of ways, yeah. but not, a, not not an active one. He's not going to be a deflections guy. And they also use him in that one-on-one role a lot where they don't, they don't really want him being a playmaker off the ball. He's kind of the on-ball guy. So I mean, the one positive from last year was three-point shooting. He shot 38%. That was a career best by a lot. If you could just kind of channel that and improve his two-point shooting back to a reasonable level, um, I think if his efficiency would be fine. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm forecasting a huge leap in the way that maybe some are, but I think that he'll also probably put – he should have his best season through four years. You know, two, Year two was such a small sample size that like it's kind of unrealistic because he was so efficient and so productive. But I, I, do, I do kind of buy him getting better. But your point's not not wrong. Like it might just be incremental. Like you're just hoping for him to improve a little bit across the board rather than like one breakout area. He rebounded like I think fewer rebounds than Trey Young last season. Which, it was bad. It again, was bad. Like as a six seven guy, <laughs> and you're getting one assist a game, 0.7 steals and 0.4 blocks. Like they're just horrendous numbers. And while he shot well on threes, he doesn't take any. Like he took under four per game. Like three and a half threes a game. If you're hitting 39 percent of it, you need to be getting seven of those up. Like you need to be getting more of those shots up. Like he hit one under one and a half threes per game. And that year, his second season when he only played the 23 games, it came on 58 percent shooting from two. 
Now, he was down at 47 last season, which is really low. I expect that to jump up somewhat. But 58 is an unsustainable number, I think, for a guy that's not a big man or not like just an absolutely elite finisher, which he isn't. So that's why I look at those numbers. And go, I don't, like, maybe his three-point shooting sticks at 38. That, that's totally possible. But I don't think that that level of two-point shooting is going to be realistic. So somewhere in the middle, the, the twos push up a little bit and he gets okay. But like the usage, I'm just, I'm just not expecting it to be there. Again, DeJounte comes in. He's a higher usage player than Kevin Herter, and yeah, Hunter's probably going to be one of the guys who um, who suffers there. So I'm not expecting much in terms of a breakout. But do you have a breakout candidate for me, Brad? Who who might be a breakout guy this year? Yeah, it's kind of tough in terms of like, especially numbers wise. You know, Hunter in theory would be the guy who you would say would line up to that because you know he's top five pick year four kind of a rough year last year and everybody else is kind of established you know trey and Dejounte had great years last year capella's not going to change his game collins might play might, might play more minutes this year but the role is still kind of unclear like i'm still a john collins guy but he's still playing next to a traditional center all the time and um you know it's, it's a very interesting situation there really isn't like an obvious breakout candidate i think that they're hoping it's going to be hunter but it might be in a way that's like more um, you know, wins and loss based than like actual numbers based. I think he can be a lot more valuable as a breakout player in a small usage role offensively that's more efficient, more of a, just a role player role than like relying on his pull up twos, that kind of stuff. But in terms of like a, a traditional, like especially fantasy breakout, I don't think there is one. I mean, may, maybe I'm crazy, but I don't no, really I see one. Bar, bar, I, I guess the only path would be if a Kong Wu just really got it, the chance, like if Capella missed six weeks and Kong Wu was starting and playing 35 minutes a game, like he could probably do it, but short of that, I don't really see it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that, you know, Kong Wu is the guy that everyone would want to hear is the breakout guy, but as we've detailed, we, we don't see without injuries, which we can't predict, like he's not getting more than 24 a night to do that. Hunter, I don't think has got that opportunity. Jalen Johnson's not going to play enough. Um, DeJounte probably and Trey take a step back. So it's really hard to see who that guy is. So, Regression candidate, I'll, I'll throw it out there. I think DeJounte Murray is going to drop off quite a bit, but do you see anyone else that, aside from DeJounte who's going to lose some value from what they did last season? Yeah, I mean, the only the only natural guys would be the older guys being Capella and Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich for injury reasons. Oh, yeah. you know, when, when, whenever he plays, he's been effective in Atlanta, but between the knee and age and all that stuff, maybe he falls off a little bit. And just Capella, for the, for the, if, he, if he plays less minutes, and you know, obviously he has the drawbacks already with free throw shooting, et cetera, but I think his, his counting stats could come down if he just plays less. Um, other than that, like guys who have established role, I think Murray's the very obvious one in terms of like he's not going to replicate what he averaged last year. That's the one I would certainly circle. But the other two that I keep, always keep an eye on are by Donovan Capella. I think we know the answer to this, but is this team better than last season? Yes, I, I think they are. I think it might be overstated in some circles mm-hmm. because you kind of just think, you know, they're all they're doing is trading Gallinari for DeJounte Murray, and that might overstate how good they are, if that makes sense. Like, I'm hearing a lot of that locally. Like, well, they've added this all-star point guard. I'm like, well, yes, they are better. They're more talented now than they've ever been. Murray's the best player that Trace played with, but uh, the depth is less. So uh, I think it might be a little bit closer than people think uh, in terms of, like, true true talent, true ability level, true performance level, but I think they are better. What do you make of um, all of the DeJounte Murray pro-am run clips of bouncing balls off people's heads and abusing people what do you make of this i don't even i don't even, I don't even know what's going on with it what, what do you make of this it's a little weird i mean honestly people ask me this all the time now for which is bizarre in itself but i, I don't know him that well like yeah. he, he just got here I, i've been in one press conference with him 
Uh, he was fine there. Like I, I've asked around about him in San Antonio, people that I trust, and nobody seems to think he's like a problem. But it, it is, it's been a little bit of a weird cycle. I mean, the, the Paolo thing especially has been very bizarre to the point where like a national newsbreaker is breaking when the first Hawks uh, yeah. Magic game is. Chris Haynes. And it's like, this, I mean, I, and I don't blame Chris Haynes. It was just <laughs> funny. I was like, wait, Hawks Magic's not like a big game. For no, people, no. But, and, then I, and then I was like, oh yeah, it's because of... Uh, so yeah, it's all... From what I understand... Nobody's worried about DeJounte, like suddenly just being a, uh, this evil villain now, but it's a little bit strange for sure. It's uh, it's definitely come out of nowhere. And people go, oh, it's because he's away from Pop now. This is who he is. But still, like, you don't see clips of NBA players bouncing balls off multiple people's heads <laughs> in like casual runs. Like, you just, you just don't see those clips come out and him just piffing balls at guys. It's just it's just weird. And I don't think it's going to have any impact during the season, but, it, but it's weird. Who's the most likely player to be traded on this roster? Is it Johnny Collins again for the 20th straight year? Uh, I think it has to be. Uh, just because they they kind of signal that they're at least willing to trade him, so he's the one guy that I, I, without even asking anyone, I can tell you is like at least available to be traded. I think eventually they're going to have to choose between Capella and Akongwu, yeah. which probably means Capella out the door. But by all accounts, like Trey loves Capella, Nate loves Capella, like, and I get it, like he's a really valuable player. He so. Is. That's that's the other one that's kind of a sleeper is like maybe that they just like feel like compelled to just clear the decks for a Kongu at some point. But I think Collins is in his own tier for now in terms of like who I'd pick for that. Yeah, well, I suppose when you've got the opportunity to trade Capella so you can get Frank Kaminsky into the rotation, that's something <laughs> you, you, you always got to consider that. All right, it's time for it's time for fun, Brad. It's time for a quiz. Now you'd be aware of the website Basketball Index. They have a bunch of different advanced metrics and the three that I'm asking the hosts about are three-point shooting talent, playmaking talent, and finishing talent. Because I want to see if their just idea of the team matches up with these metrics. Now, three-point shooting talent is not just who has the best three-point percentage. It's based on difficulty of shots, volume of shots, self-created versus catch and shoot, the importance of those shots, late in shot clocks, all that sort of stuff. Playmaking is not the most assist. It's like who's getting guys open, the volume of um, passes, the difficulty of passes, the creativity of passes, the versatility, and then finishing talent. It's not like who grabs putbacks and puts them in, who like, um, you know, just catches alley-oops. It's about getting to the rim. It's about finishing at the rim. It's about getting through contact to try and weigh all that stuff up because, you know, we could just say, well, Capella finishes because he shoots 60%. And it's not as not as simple as that. So I want to see if your version of this, based on what happened last season, matches up with the metrics. I, I'm just going to look at them. Do I think they're difficult? Not really. Who do you think is the best graded three point shooting talent on this team? Uh, I think it's it's probably it's either Trey or Bogdanovich. I will say Trey. It is Trey Young because again that difficulty of shot, he upped his percentage last season. All of the self created, all of the pull up stuff. He's if you want someone to hit a three on this team, you're going to go to him. You're not going to go to DeAndre Hunter or even Bogdanovich. I guess he'd be a second option there. Kevin Herder might have been close as well. What about playmaking? Don't don't get this wrong, please. I mean, it has to be Trey, right? <laughs> it is. I, yeah, it, <laughs> okay. it's, it's definitely Trey. Um, what about this one? What about finishing talent? Who's the best finisher? Um, I will say John Collins, but I'm not sure the numbers will say that because of the role he's been in. But I, I think of John Collins as like a truly elite finisher. He's just not, he's not had the opportunity to do that since Capella got there, but I, I will say Collins anyway. It is in fact a clean sweep for Trey Young. He oh, graded out with the best I'm not, finishing. I'm not surprised by that, I guess, now that I think about it. Cause like for, for as small as he is, the craft and the foul drawing and all this, that, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's reasonable. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. The, the foul drawing is part of that. And last question. Um, Basketball Index has a stat called Total Offensive Load. Basically, it involves things like box creation, assist, potential assist, scoring, usage, all that sort of stuff. Right? We know that Trey Young carries a gigantic amount of responsibility all the way back from college where he had, like I think, 38 usage and 48 assist percentage. So he's just running everything. Um, 
and he's carried that across to the NBA. So we know that he's the best and he carries the offense on this squad. But in terms of the to- in the entire NBA, where would Trey rank in terms of the offensive load that he carries? Uh you could say first and it wouldn't surprise me. I will say I will say second. You should have said first because he ranked yeah, number one. Yeah. He had 62% of the total offense was run through him according to that metric, again, which takes a couple of things into consideration. I think Doncic was second and yeah, Trey was first there again, which shouldn't surprise anyone because those guys no. run what their team does. And that's why we, we can... Look, Trey, Trey can. I, I highlight this because Trey could step back from first, but he's just so high up in that number. These numbers are still going to be great. And he's got so much scope to be able to lose a little bit of that responsibility and still be awesome. Whereas, you know, someone like DeJounte, who's going to lose a chunk, he wasn't at that absolutely elite level. So he might go from very good to just being good. And that's a a bigger sort of drop-off or more impactful drop-off. Brad, that will cover us off here for the Atlanta Hawks and their season preview. Tell people what is happening over at the old Locked On Hawks podcast. Yeah, it's busy, even though it's not busy here in August for most people. I just recorded before I talked to you uh, my schedule reaction. So uh, tis the season for schedule breakdowns because we have to fill content this time of year. But no, uh, yeah, Locked on Hawks podcast, subscribe, rate, review. I'm also uh, a writer over at Diamond Up Rocks on the written side. So I cover the entire league there, Hawks up at Locked on Hawks. And uh, we're doing all this stuff. We're ramping up the season. It's We're almost there, like six weeks away. It's It's getting close. We are getting close, and I'm recording this before I've recorded my schedule reaction podcast, but it's releasing after. So you would have heard my thoughts on the NBA schedule yesterday, even though I haven't actually given them yet in real life. That is the beauty of scheduling and editing. Brad, thanks again for, let's say, seven years in a row, coming on and doing the Hawks preview with me. My pleasure, Josh. Happy to do it anytime. I'm a huge listener, huge fan, so thanks for having me. And that will do it for me today. We are going to have another show tomorrow, a season preview with the Golden State Warriors, unless something goes awry. So we're going to talk Golden State Warriors tomorrow. Don't forget, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app here on YouTube. Thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.